most people, I think, that reach some success, if you look back, you're like, it was a combination of luck, people looking out for me, me just working hard. You know, those are the things that matter. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Today's episode features a pretty distinct career path relative to what you're used to listening to on this show. We talk with a lot of entrepreneurs, we talk with a lot of business owners, we talk with a lot of creators, and my guest today, David Passivant, is the CEO and the creator behind Numo, a fintech incubator. But Numo is a subsidiary company of PNC Bank, a very, very large financial institution. And in this conversation, I speak with David not only about the technologies that he's developing and the approach that he takes to finding new innovative technologies, but also how he negotiated this role within the large framework and ecosystem of PNC to fit into a role where he gets to really chase the cutting edge and push some new entrepreneurial ventures forward, but with the resources of a very, very large organization. I think you're going to take a lot away from this, regardless of whether or not you are going into business for yourself or negotiating a large corporate environment. And I hope that you enjoy it. Here is my conversation with David Passivant. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. David, I'm so excited to be speaking with you. Thank you for coming on Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thanks, Aaron. Happy to be here. Let's start off for folks that don't know what Numo is and maybe have never really um, been in an environment where they're a part of something that's a part of a much larger structure in the way that Numo is. Yeah. Can you just contextualize for people a little bit about where we're sitting right now and what you guys are up to? Sure. So we are in the Numo offices. Uh, Numo is a uh, subsidiary company of of PNC Bank, which is a you know big big bank, about the sixth largest bank in the country. Yeah. And it's a form of an incubator. I don't know if an incubator is the right word to describe what we are, but it's a take on an incubator, and it's a very unique kind of incubator. Yeah. So one of the things that's really interesting and wouldn't necessarily be apparent from the audio that one might be listening to or even the video that they're watching is, and this is not uncommon in other large organizations, is PNC, I don't know how many buildings you guys have downtown, five, six, something? Yeah. And they're all around one another, and there's a lot of action going down at yeah. the headquarters of the bank. Uh-huh. And this office is out in East Liberty, which yeah. you know is near Alpha Lab and other kind of startup things that are going on. But this is a way that a way for you to have the room and the levity to experiment and to do things that are required in a startup type of environment right. that don't fly in a large bureaucratic organization. Yeah, I think that's true. The um you know, in, in many ways, the location is further down on my, it's important. There's no doubt about it. But like the location of the office was, I had other considerations that were actually much higher in terms of setting us up to be successful, believe it or not. I mean, I think a lot of times companies go down this sort of like path of, we're going to create some innovation. We're going to create a group that's going to have a foosball table in an office yeah. in another place, right? So I thought it was important to to be physically separated, but that was actually probably like fourth or fifth on my list of stuff that I cared what about. What was at the top? Well, I, I thought essential was the 
the structure of how we're connected to the parent company. Okay. And that goes into everything from how we recruit to how we are compensated to how we pick what we work on to how equity works. I mean, those things were way more important to me. And I want to ask you to divulge something that, yeah. you, that you can't, but are, are there examples of how it might be done wrong? Or maybe you spoke with someone else who did something similar in a similar context and it kind of, we, we were led astray because an incentive was incorrect or yeah. some sort of the mm-hmm. basic fundamental was yeah, out of place. It's a great question because there are, there are very few large companies out there right now that are not like banging the innovation drum, right? Yeah. Saying like, you know, we got to be more innovative. We got to reinvent ourselves. Yeah. Um, I think we're, there's some very common mistakes. A lot of people chase the, we're going to bring in an outsider who did something cool in another industry, pay them a lot of money, again, put them in a building with a foosball. T- um, and then, and then kind of just let them create, right? What ends up happening is that usually like the, uh, interest in that fades over, usually it kind of goes along with the macroeconomic cycle, right? Like the economy turns and all of a sudden you start to chop stuff that's low hanging fruit. And usually those teams kind of go away. They don't have a clear mandate. They're just almost like a little pet project. Yeah. So that happens a lot. Uh, the other thing that happens is you'll say, I want to have an innovation team, but then you'll just kind of use them as like another IT team or like another product team that maybe has some talent that you couldn't get in there. And then usually the talent won't stay if you do that. So, so you have to be really clear about the mandate, right, of what, what are they expected to accomplish, this sort of external team, and then how's it, how's it, what's the structure? How are they going to be connected to the parent company? Gotcha. Yeah. So I want to kind of go to your story a little bit All because right. you progressed through, before being the head of Numo, you were a leader in innovation within PNC. Right. And, and to make that transition, I think, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of listeners out there who are in a corporate environment, they're aspiring to, you know, maybe stay within an organization, but find a place where they can flex their creative muscle and do more of this type of work. Okay. So talk a little bit about how you set yourself up to be in this position within PNC's context. Right. You know, my, my case was unique. I don't know that it would apply directly to other folks, but that's how every story is, right? So the way that I set myself up to, to kind of pitch Numo and to be here is basically put in the time at PNC to get to know the business and the people that run it really well. So I was at PNC for three-ish years running a kind of a group there before I pitched the idea for Numo. And I was just incredibly fortunate that the bank was willing to listen and kind of give me this um, opportunity. Uh, so I think my, my answer would be, if you want to have credibility inside of a large organization, you put in the time to really understand the leadership, understand the business, understand the sort of, you know, the power dynamics inside the company. It's just, it's just essential. That way you earn the credibility and you earn the right to kind of have a stage for your ideas. And there's another kind of trope within entrepreneurship like entrepreneurial, I don't know, wisdom or truisms that get passed yeah. around, which is like, well, I had the newbie mind and that's why I succeeded yeah. because like I knew nothing and I just like threw myself yeah, into yeah, yeah. some unexplored industry. And yet basically what you're articulating is not only were you within the context of the bank, yeah. but you steeped yourself in it before making that jump. And I think that's actually a much more common yeah. uh, pattern yeah. for actually finding where the next wave is going to be. So I think it's a, it's a really interesting insight. I think actually both things are true. So I came into banking with no banking experience. So in that sense, I did have that newbie mind. I'd been in healthcare. I'd been in consumer products. Yep. I'd been in telecom. Like we've kind of been all over the place. So that was one of the reasons PNC brought me in is to shake things up. But when I got in, I went deep 
also and like in in with the company right and with the industry so i think both things are actually true in this case this is one of those where it's not there's no like formula where it's no just you know bring a totally different mindset and you'll be successful it's not the case so i would say it was that combination of of having a different background combined with then putting in the effort to learn you know the large company is what helped me earn credibility and how much of like a pre-planning went on so like like you know where you sit right now with numo and i'm sure you have goals and and aspirations and places you see yourself going in the yeah. future but at some point you were picturing being right where you are yeah. right now yeah what was like the time scale of that like like when you walked into pnc day one yeah. was that the aspiration or when did you start to recognize that that was an opportunity that you wanted to seize yeah i so so was it an aspiration? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> so there there was no way that I said when I joined PNC, I'm going to pitch a concept for a spinoff incubator that's going to create startups from inside the bank as a separate company. It was not the case. I wish I could say that it was, but it wasn't. Um, this, this idea started to emerge as I was kind of tasked with be the innovation guy inside the bank. And there are so many models for doing that. Over time, I found that at PNC... I thought there was an appetite for trying something that was somewhat disconnected from the bank. And so over time, I literally just was like a clean sheet of paper and said, how could I take this stuff that was awesome about the startups that I was fortunate to be a part of and actually apply that model inside of a large company, quote unquote. So the idea happened very organically over conversations with people and just kind of, you know, experiencing some of the struggles of trying to, quote, innovate from inside of a large company. Yeah. It was very organic over years. And even taking it a step further back, positioning yourself as the innovation person. So you were brought in with that context. Yeah. You spent your time at PNC doing a similar type of work for folks even just looking to get in that direction, not necessarily like running the whole outfit, but uh -huh. being a part of that type of organization. What background or, or what type of resources did you study or pull in to start to position yourself in that vein? So... You know, again, it's hard because there, there was no deliberate, like, I'm going to study this person or this company. And then I've always felt that at each point in my career, take the next most interesting door that's open. And in my career, that just led me to being a consultant in a large company to start and then going off and being a part of some interesting startups and then going to get a, a business degree and then going and working in healthcare for a little bit. And it, at each one of those, I was adding like some weapons to kind of my toolkit, right? Yeah. And it just each one gave me a different perspective. I emerged from that with the like, oh, I can look at this problem from a startup perspective or from a consultant perspective or from a large company perspective. So I just kind of, I, I'd like to say it was some like deliberate path, but it really wasn't. I, each door that I took was because that was the most interesting next door. Well, I think that's really helpful because I think that there's either a pressure or an aspiration to like over-engineer the entirety of the thing yeah. when you're early on. Right. And, and, and like, it's almost like a breath of fresh air. Like, okay, like the next step will reveal itself when you take yeah. one more step. I think that's right. And, and, and what I would say is what you should, you shouldn't worry about. Yeah. How do I architect what my career is going to look like seven moves down the line? It's just like not possible. I don't think maybe just for some people, but a very select few. Yeah, and uh, most people, I think, that reach some success, if you look back, you're like, it was a combination of luck, people looking out for me, me just working hard. You know, th those are the things that matter. But what does really matter and what's always mattered to me is who I work with. So, like, this is something that I, if you talk, something to obsess over, if you will, is um, being inspired and challenged by the people that you're around 
that will open up so many doors for you in the future. It's kind of a cliche. I don't know how to say it, but every, when I look at the things that supercharged my career, it was those times when I was around people that I just loved working with. And then they go on to do interesting things. They pull you along with them. So that is, I wouldn't worry about what does my career look like, you know, six moves from now, but I would ask myself, man, when I look at who I'm spending my days with, are those people, am I learning from them? Are they challenging me? That yeah. is essential. So now that you're in a position of leadership, yeah. what have you learned about attracting people like that to join your organization? You know, I think pe people want to be inspired. I think that people want to work for something they believe in and with people that they believe in. Um, and so I think that this is the beauty of a startup, right? So startups are phenomenal because people rally around a, um, a thing, a cause, a concept. And in some ways, I won't say it doesn't matter what you're working on. It, it does, but like you can find people rallying around a cause almost no matter what it is. Right. Yeah. And so that's what we're trying to do here is find specific product ideas that people can rally around and get excited about. That's the magic in a startup, right? This is like, I'm willing to sleep at my desk because this is awesome. Right. Yeah. And that is hard to find. It's hard to find at large companies and it's hard to find like in, in the world in general. Anywhere. Yeah. The Going Deep podcast is underwritten by Piper Creative. Shooting, editing, and publishing quality content is overwhelming. We make it easy so you can save time, build your brand, and grow faster. Say hello at pipercreative.co. So that was my next question. And, and once again, people can't tell from the audio or the, the video here, but there is a massive fintech landscape board yeah. and it has all these different sections, payments, finance, uh, insurance, all these different directions that yeah. one could go. Yeah. And so as an incubator of these kind of fintech startups, how do you go about picking a focus or picking a direction to allocate the resources that you have under your steed when it's such an expansive right. landscape with so many directions that yeah, you can the possibly world is go? Huge. Yep. This is something we've had to figure out. So we very intentionally have like carte blanche so we can go after any of this stuff, meaning as long as it's related to fintech, right? So that was intentional. We didn't say like, we're going to focus on crypto. We're going to focus on whatever payments. We have figured out a, a methodology, a rubric that we use to evaluate different ideas. And it's, you know, state secret, so I can't share it. Yeah. But like, you know, we, we have found a way to measure ideas that come through our funnel relative to and against the unique uh, model that we have. Right. So I don't the model that I use is not what like just a VC would use to evaluate an idea. It's different because I'm part of and backed by a large bank. Yeah. So like that's what makes me unique. And so I have to make sure that I pick ideas that maximize that value. See what I mean? Yeah. And to a degree, so, so there's the incubation happening. Is there any mechanism by which entrepreneurs who might have their own thing, you know, I, I'm just going to like paint a prototypical picture, stereotypical picture, Yeah. you know, female 35 has been in a PNC for a while, yeah. went out to start her own FinTech thing. Yeah. And now, because she has some context as well, Lasso's back comes to Newmo and says, hey, will you help me kind of bring this thing to full speed? Right. Or is it people who are within Numo looking around and like generating from solely within the organization? Both. So both things happen. The difference is if you're coming from the outside, our equity model is just very different. So PNC okay. owns the majority of the equity and what we create, which is, which is okay given the advantages that come along with that. 
So the access to uh, talk to PNC's experts, PNC's clients, PNC as a distribution channel, sometimes even PNC as a customer for our products. That is, those are all advantages that like a typical entrepreneur just wouldn't have. So PNC owns majority of the equity. Um, so, so oftentimes entrepreneurs who've got an idea and want to go for it on their own and own, you know, most of it themselves, that's terrific. That could have a phenomenal payoff, but obviously it has a high failure rate as yeah. well. So I will always talk to those people, but, but, but our model is like fairly unique. And I think that it's obviously, it's not, not for everyone. Right? But, but in certain instances, like we're, we're talking about cousins, not completely different entities in the sense that oftentimes when when a startup is looking at the vc or the angel that they might invest in there are certain ones that they just they just need the funds and they don't yeah. particularly care where it comes from right. but then there's highly um viable uh organizations with multiple opportunities and a lot of upside and partially the calculation of who comes in as part of their cap table who comes in as part of their investor base is what other doors what you can you open it. for yep. us? Who yep. can you connect us yep. to? And so in that way, it, it is a cousin of some of those mm-hmm. other mechanisms. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so this gets this gets back to your very first question. What is Numo? So, um, and I call this an incubator. Another term we use is a, a build incubator. And what I mean by that is we don't take investments in, so I'm not like an alpha lab or um, an ascender, you know, or, someone, so, um, or a Y Combinator. Any of, we build ideas ourselves. We find our ideas and we build them all in-house with our team of engineers, designers, and product folks. So what that means is if there's a company out there that kind of just needs some capital and wants PNC as a strategic investor, that we don't do that through Numo. Okay. So this would be more somebody maybe has an idea and they come in and say, this hasn't happened, by the way. Our ideas that we have that we're working on have all come from us internally yeah. or from the bank directly, which is cool. Um, but it, it, there is a chance to talk to that person. So you could come into our model. Here's what the cap table would look like. Here are the resources and assets you're going to get. But it is not like us. We then sort of have control of the company, if you will. So that, that yeah. that's that's the sort of trade-off. Does PNC have a, a different mechanism for what you articulated before of like the strategic investor, but in a context of something else, that's like a different wing right. of the business? We, we do. Um, we do it. We, we've, we've announced a few of them. We do it pretty rarely, but we, we do a few a year investments in tech startups. It's usually when we're, for strategic reasons, we're going to be a customer of the company. And so we just kind of come along and own a very small piece of it. But that's it. We don't have like a, a corporate venture fund that we, that we do big investments with at gotcha. this point. We have in the past. We don't, we don't right now. Yeah. So Numo is just over two years old. Yeah. About. Yeah. And um, can you kind of paint a picture for us in terms of getting this off the ground? And the kind of progress that has been made now in less than three years of some of the things you have been working on. I know some stuff is still yeah. uh, hush hush, yeah, but yeah. can you paint a little picture for what's happened so far? What's happened so far? So um, I've always viewed proving out Numo would be kind of in stages. And the first stage was could I structure this company in a way with the parent that I felt good about, meaning it would actually be able to function like a startup and create startups. And that took a long time. As you can imagine, you know, PNC is a very, in a lot of ways, very conservative, large company. So many that, financial institutions are. Yeah, they are. You kind of have to be, actually. If you're a regulated financial institution, you, you know, you're, it's very important that you're very careful with what you do, right? So that took a while. I love where we ended up. I'm really excited about it. The next challenge for me was could I hire core talent that I'm, that like bought this model and that I was really excited about? And I am 
an extremely methodical hirer. So it took me about a year to get the core team in place of like five, six people. So that was just very, very methodical. And I'm like ecstatic about the talent that we have now, which is, which is awesome. The next question for me was then, can we find projects? Can we have product ideas that I'm excited about? And the answer to that has also been, yes, we have uh, two products that we've launched and a third one that we're writing code on right now. And I can talk about them a little bit if we want to, but yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So that's awesome. Then, then the next question will be, can I make those, you know, can we make those products successful? Yeah. And that's, that's coming. So what have you launched so far? So, um, so very first product is, um, and actually we haven't talked about it much publicly yet. So here you go. Uh, is a it's essentially a bank account for gig, the gig economy, a okay. bank account for people that earn 1099 income. Uh, the product will be called Indie, I-N-D-I, and it's a digital sort of mobile bank account. And, um, you know, as you you might know, what are what would you think are the the biggest pain points for people that earn 1099 income? It's just very irregular. Yeah. Um, and, and they usually probably like want that money cleared very, very quickly. Yeah. They don't want to wait for. Yeah. It to come in. Yeah. So that's it. So there are really three that we focus on. One is this like, yeah, this lumpy income because you don't get paid every other Friday like a W-2 worker yep. does. Right. But the secondly then is taxes. So you uh, have yeah. to, you have to, you know, control your own taxes, right? You've got to decide how much you're going to save and keep yourself disciplined to yep. save it. Uh, so we help with that, with this app. And then third is expenses. So a lot of independent workers, you can deduct a lot of expenses, um, and so this app has a way, it's, a, it's, a, it's an app with a physical card. And so you use the card, and when you use the card, you get a real-time alert that says, hey, you spent you know, 20 bucks at uh, the Chevron down the street. It, you know, swipe left to categorize this as a deductible expense for your 1099 work, and then we'll track that for you. Right on. So it's a, it's a, it's a, great, uh, it's a great product. We're just launching it now as sort of an internal pilot, and then later this summer it'll be available more generally. Very cool. Yeah. Interesting. You used mobile there a couple of times. Yeah. And one of the things that I just read a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking about this interview when, when I read it was, so John Dick, uh, the CEO and founder of Civic Science, mm -hmm. a local um, startup, actually just right down yeah, the street. Yeah, is a customer. And he, he has a quote, basically says, it's over. Mobile banking should now just be called banking yeah. because the acceleration of adoption of consumers that use retail banking primarily through a mobile device is just, I think it's over 36% based off of yeah. the, the thing that I'm reading right now. So that has to be the kind of core consideration that informs every product decision that you might be making. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, yeah, we, we built mobile first for Indie. That was the, you know, that's, that's our assumed base use case. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So the, the last question that I have here, that's kind of come up for me and you're talking about being in PNC a naturally conservative organization mm -hmm. and you kind of laid out this process of well we had to figure out where the incentives right and then where the people right and then could we incubate the ideas mm -hmm. and simultaneously we're talking about a career where you kind of take one step and then you figure out where yeah, the next yeah. step may be yeah I'm really curious about what you've learned about navigating this organization that that has that conservative instinct because the, the flip side of you know wanting to over engineer a career and see every step in place. Right. While that doesn't make a ton of sense, that actually is what happens in a lot of financial projections. Like if I if I have a bond, I have yeah. a fairly confident idea what's yeah. going to be up with that bond yep. 10, 20, 30 years down yep. the road. So what were the conversations like as you were articulating the structure of like, well, we'll figure that out, but like we we still have to figure out like these three other steps along the way. How how was that negotiated within the context of PNC? 
That's a good question and a, and a hard question to answer. I think that um, I think that what I'd say is um, I needed to provide enough detail around you know what would we be what we'd be working on the kind of um, the metrics I would use to measure success for Numo like what would we ex be expected to deliver for PNC and PNC shareholders. I had to deliver enough detail there that it sort of passed the sniff test, if you will. But remember, I, like I was sort of trading on the currency that I built over three years of running projects and other things inside the bank. You know what yeah. I mean? So ultimately, I think that and people don't talk about this a lot, but at high enough levels in an organization, decisions are ultimately gut decisions. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's ultimately what, you know, I had earned credibility because I, you know, I'd had budgets and I'd managed them well and I'd taken projects and done rather than outsourcing stuff to consultants, I would, you know, we do it ourselves, Th those kinds of things I'd done. So I'd earned the credibility to like to pitch something that was a little more out there. Yeah. To me, that's one of the most interesting things that I'm only recently learning, even with my own decision making, which is mm -hmm. how much of it has to be off of gut and how much of like the process of growing in whatever career arc you may be going is developing that gut to make those decisions about what the next step may be or yeah. make those decisions about what the next project may be. Yep. And it's it's really tricky how you even cultivate that aspect of yourself. I mean, your your gut is the, it's the accumulation of your experiences plus your education plus all the people that are around you over time, right? That's, there's no substitute for just going down the, you know, the path, right? Repeatedly. And then that, that is your gut, right? Eventually that creates your gut and over time your gut gets pretty smart, hopefully. hundred percent. Yeah. This has been awesome, David. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Before we ask our standard last two questions yeah. and sign off, anything else that you were hoping to share today that I didn't give you a chance to? No, that's it. I mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm really excited about what we're doing here. We're, we're just starting to talk about Numa. We've been really quiet about it. I, I'm, I spent a lot of my, I grew up in Pittsburgh and then moved away for a long time and then came back for grad school and then decided to stay. I'm, I'm really excited about tech in Pittsburgh. I think over the next 10 and 20 years, Pittsburgh's going to be a phenomenal place. It already is, but it's going to be an even more phenomenal place to be a technologist as Google continues to grow, as Uber grows, and then Duolingo is doing really well. As those companies start to throw off talent who are ready for the next thing, it's just going to be this next wave in Pittsburgh. I hope Numo can be a part of that by creating two, three, four, five spinoff companies that grow to be big. So that that's my main, uh, that's my mission right now, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, the excitement certainly comes through in, cool. in, in your energy and your voice. Um, I'm excited to continue to follow along with it. For folks that want to do so as well, yeah. what digital coordinates can we provide them if they want to learn more? Yeah, sure. So Numo is at numo.com, N-U-M-O.com. Um, we've got social media presence as well. You can find it all there. Um, yeah. And then, you know, all of our coordinates are there. So you can get in touch if you've got an idea that you want to pitch. We have some events coming up. Uh, we are actually just um, about eight weeks away from moving into a new office, which will be right down in the heart of East Liberty. Really excited about being even more part of that community. It's an awesome 1890s building that we're renovating, and it's going to be great. So we'll have a couple of open houses there. And you'll be closer to, to Chula, too. Chula is, already <laughs> takes a lot of my paycheck each month, so even more, yeah, in a couple of weeks. Right on, right on. Um, we're going to link all that in the show notes cool. uh, found in the podcast app where you're probably listening to this right now and also available at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast. Yep. But as we do at the end of each conversation, Dave, I want to give you the mic one more time to issue an actionable personal challenge for the audience. Right. So my personal challenge is um, to uh, 
be an original thinker. So this is something that I've learned over my time and something that I screen for now and people that I hire. Um, in school and in work, often we kind of teach you to apply a methodology or an algorithm or recite facts. And that's all great. Like you can gain base level of knowledge with that. But ultimately, um, you know, what I think allows you to tread new ground are those things that strike you as wrong or different in the world. And you, rather than running away from that, you sort of embrace your original thoughts into that area, right? So um, I, I just would encourage people that, you know, if you're doing your job and you feel like, yeah, that doesn't seem right, you know, and I think maybe there's a better way to do it or, you know, or, or you see a problem in a totally unrelated field that like, you're like, why hasn't that been solved yet? I mean, be, don't run away from that. Embrace that because that's probably a business idea or something that will help you bring something new into the world. So be an original thinker. I love it. I'm tremendously curious how you screen for that when you're bringing people in. Yeah. So, so the way we screen is actually, we, we work, we, we actually try to do work with folks. I think it's almost impossible to screen for that on a resume or just a conversation like this. We give someone a problem and we work through it together and that's where their brain comes out. Becomes apparent through action. Yep. yep. Right on. David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Sure. I really enjoyed speaking with you. My pleasure. Same. We just went deep with David Passivant. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Please hit that subscribe button. And I'm going to strongly encourage you to check out goingdeepsummit.com for more information about our one-day conference. Our third iteration of the event is going to be March 28th, 2020. And we have a bunch of speaker announcements coming very, very soon. Uh, if you go there, you can get some more information about the themes of the day, tickets, all that good stuff, but we are building off of the momentum and the learnings of our first two times doing this event to have our best one yet. It's going to be March 28th, 2020. Grab your tickets, invite a friend, and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.